Happy weekend, everyone, and welcome to Automation This Week for Saturday, November 18th, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney from Insights and Automation, and this show is a compilation of all the news we covered this week on the Automation Morning Show and all of the news links we posted over at Automate.News. Now, before we get started, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. also want to thank everybody who gives us a like, a sub, and a share. That truly is the fuel that keeps us on the air. And speaking of being on the air, this week is Thanksgiving coming up, and I'm going to be leaving Monday on a road trip to visit family. So there will be no morning news until I return on the 28th, Tuesday the 28th. Um, that said, Monday, this coming Monday before Thanksgiving, I am releasing the automation podcast early at 7.30 in the morning. So if you want to catch my conversation with John Gardner about manufacturing and hear our opinions, and of course you can always share your own by sending in the talkback link, check out this week's uh, episode of the Automation Podcast, episode 180, which I am releasing early on Monday morning at 7.30 in the morning. And with that, we'll go over to our sponsor. Today we're being sponsored by Siemens. They're sponsoring today's show. And uh, today I'm featuring my first look at a recent uh, look at their Cymatic IPC tablet, the MD34A. And I had a lot of fun. It took a long, longer than I thought, but I had a lot of fun playing with this new product. I want to thank Siemens for sending it in. If you haven't seen it yet, this is the Automation Minute Season 5, Episode 39. And uh, it's about 14 minutes, but I go through, I unbox it, I show you what comes in it. And uh, all of that stuff. I even test out TIA Portal and Studio 5000. So with that, let's go over to our first uh, news story here. And uh, this is actually a press release from Siemens. Uh, they are uh, collaborating with ServiceNow to enable cloud-based management of OT assets. Now, I'm always concerned about these because um, anytime you do cloud-based, you have to make sure you have a secure pipe to the cloud. And a lot of people don't do that correctly. So in any case, not because they don't want to, just because of know-how. But of course, Siemens is an expert in that, like most industrial manufacturers. And uh, this is a new software as a service solution from this these two companies. And the whole goal here is to uh, allow um, OT devices on the shop floor to be uh, continually monitored, right? So you know that if there's a, a cybersecurity hacker breach into your system. So I thought that was an interesting press release. From there, we go over to a press release from Endress Hauser. And uh, this was this is very interesting. This is about their $50 million investment in their U.S. headquarters in Indiana. And I uh, always like to see companies uh, investing in their facilities around the world. I actually get to stop by and say hi to Woodenstein at uh, Automation Fair. Congratulate them on investing and expanding their plant in uh, the U.S. And uh, this is uh, their headquarters in Indiana. So... Um, it's good to see them making investments and uh, really uh, expanding that facility. And that's good for the people of Indiana as well. Uh, from there, we go over to Schneider. They had an article here about um, their bold software vision helps customers, they say fly higher, really navigate uh, the data. So most facilities are collecting just massive amounts of data, terabytes of data, but they're not using analytics on them. And so this article kind of goes through their vision of that and talks about all the different products they, uh, they use, including Aviva. They're a partner with Aviva. So they include Aviva in this article. So if you want to know, you know, what Schneider's doing as far as making available uh, solutions to mine your data, check out this press release here. 
From there, we go over to um, a article from Beckoff. This is a press release uh, noting that they just won the Ind Industry 4.0 Innovation Award for their MX system. This is a complete on-machine system, and uh, or um, I guess on-machine is maybe a trademark of somebody, but uh, this is a panelless system, no panel required, if I'm reading this correctly. Cabinet-free, controlled cabinet-free automation. So congratulations goes out to Beckoff. From there, we go over to SMC, and they have a uh, new, a pretty uh, detailed uh, product announcement here on their new three-color display. Usually, I pull these up before the show starts, but I was running a little late this morning. In any case, this is their three-color display. It's a digital flow switch for water, and it has IO-Link. It's IP65. Now, I got to see some of these displays at Automation Fair. They are very bright and very easy to read, as you would expect. This new Z model, so this is the PF3W7-Z. The dash Z is the newer model, and it's 50% uh, reduction in mass. So as SMC usually does, they continue to improve and innovate on their existing products, and uh, typically without raising the price, which I thought was just amazing. And uh, with that, I'm just going to check over here, make sure that the Microsoft Windows is flipping out. I keep saying USB device not recognized. I just want to make sure... You're not hearing that noise. It does not seem like it's coming through. So in any case, I don't know what's wrong with the folks up in Redmond. But in any case, let's go over to Pills. Pills had a, um, a couple of links here on the same subject. They're talking about their PNOS Multi 2, which is now offering or soon to offer fail-safe over Ethernet. Uh, actually, fail-safe over EtherCAT. So we've talked about EtherCAT in the past. We've talked about... Fail-safe uh, devices on EtherCAT, but in any case, uh, hey, thank you, Frank, for confirming you're not hearing the, the windows flipping out over there. Um, in any case, um, so this is a, a brand new product. That, so this is their existing product line. Let me rephrase that. This is their existing product line, the Pinos 2 Multi, which we've covered many times, but now they're integrating fail-safe over EtherCAT, which I think is great. It's great to have options, and it's I always like seeing these vendors support multiple uh, field buses especially when it comes to fail-safe, right? So, you know, you have Profi-Safe, you have uh, SIP Safety, and, and we have uh, Safety over EtherCAT as well. So I'm going to provide two links here because they were actually two different articles on very similar things. And um, so if you want to know more about the PNAS Multi-2 uh, safety controller, the I.O. modules, the communication modules, you will find that in all these links here. Um, I thought initially they were saying that all these... Uh, these uh, networks were supported with the same uh, network module. It does not appear that that is the case. So for just from what I'm reading this morning, seems like you'd need a different module for different field buses. From there, we go over to Archibus, Archibus and they have a new article about their uh, new product. They, um, they focus on products uh, that um, are high precision. So in this case, they're talking about effective gravity compensation with a linear thrust generation. And so this is a little bit beyond what I typically work with, but uh, you can see their MSP-A series of magnetic springs. Um, you can see the, the article just goes into this. It talks about their rod motors and other products that they offer. So if, you've, if that's of interest to you, check that out. From there, we go over to SICK. Now, there was a couple of new products featured here. We'll just uh, zoom in on this one. The Automated Load Detect Ident System here. Okay, and what this is, is this uses RFID lasers and cameras 
to uh, ID systems, okay? So it depends on what you want to plug into it, right? I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past. Um, and uh, this uh, also includes wireless, Wi-Fi is built in, or you can use mobile networks like uh, uh, cell networks. And uh, so this is their automated loaded detection system. I'm just gonna click on it. Typically it just brings me to a list of all the products here. Oh, no, this is actually a better article than the one I was just showing you. So this goes into it in more detail. So a press release that covers the details of this system. So I will include the link to this one here instead of the other page. From there, Acromag uh, is announcing, now we've covered their Ethernet IO in the past, right? And they have a bus system that allows you to expand it and add more modules to it, which is pretty cool. Um, but they are announcing that they now support Profinet as well as Ethernet IP and Modbus TCP. So they just get the certification. You can see here it's PI certified. And so this uh, gives them another option. Again, I, I really like seeing, uh, you know, a vendor support all the major field buses. And with this one, um, this module, if I'm reading it correctly, does support all three, Profinet, Ethernet IP, and Modbus TCP with the same, it's field selectable, it's the same hardware that supports all three, which is really cool. From there, we go over to our featured product today. Uh, you know, today we're just featuring the automationschool.com. If you know anybody who needs PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please send them over to the automationschool.com. I am working right now on the new updated courses here. So I will be pulling out all the hardware and doing uh, brand new hardware overviews for the new 2023-2024 courses. They're currently uh, labeled as the ultimate courses. I'm going to be changing that to, um, I don't know what I'm going to change it to. I'll have to think about it. But in any case, I want to lay, change them to like, uh, you know, level one and two. Um, and they'll be entering early access because the lessons are starting to come out now. So they're not uh, pre-orders anymore. They're early access. Now, still, for the, for the near term, the only way to get these new courses that I'm filming is to buy the existing courses. So you buy, uh, for instance, you buy any level one and two PLC course from the automationschool.com and you will get the next course completely free. You're actually automatically enrolled in it for free. So in any case, that's our featured products from the automationschool.com. From there, we go over to Umron. They had a, a mini article about their latest handheld barcode reader. And they're really touting its ability to automatically adjust to the environment. So in one spot here, what they were talking about um, automatically selecting the op, um, optimal lighting. So I know a lot of times our cell phones do this now, where they'll automatically adjust the lighting um, very accurately for the whatever picture you're taking. Not always, but what they're doing here is they're taking that kind of technology and that those algorithms. Some people may call it machine learning or AI, but they're taking that algorithm and putting it into their handheld barcode readers. So I thought that was an interesting article I wanted to share with you this morning. From there, we go over to an article I enjoyed from PNF. If I can just get rid of the cookies. Come on. Okay, good. So this talks about now at first glance, I thought they may have had the wrong image here. It says intelligent valve control with IO link and conveyor technology. I'm like valves and conveyors. Well, they were talking about uh, uh, stoppers and diverters, pushers, and uh, we're talking about ear valves typically. So in any case, I, I thought this was a really interesting article. It talks about their new product that we covered either last week or the week before, which is a, um, a IO-Link device you can put on your existing valves, right, to monitor them for like machine monitoring, condition monitoring, whatnot. So I thought it was a very interesting article. They had some great uh, images here showing different stoppers. I've actually put some of these into my uh, digital twin for the 
uh, automation schools because so the students can simulate a jam and so we actually have some of these stoppers built in so you can actually simulate a jam on the conveyor and then deal with that in your plc code and then we have the pushes here as well and um so very interesting article if you're if you have a lot of pushes or diverters or stoppers that, that's pneumatic and you want uh, to monitor you know condition monitoring i think when we covered this it also tell you how many times it um you know it keeps a counter and how many times it actually act actuated it also monitors the health of the device as well I believe. So check that article out. I thought it was very interesting. From there, we go over to Opto 22. They have a couple articles, and I think I'm meeting with them this afternoon to talk about getting them on the show, which I'm excited about. But they had two articles here today. The first one is about their free tech support. So a lot of companies charge for tech support, but Opto 22 um, has free tech support. And, you know, they have some pretty technical uh, products. You know, we've covered them in the past, all the things you can do with their products, right? But they have not. They have multiple ways of uh, tech support. You can phone them. You can email them. You can chat with them. And so that's what this article is talking about. You can even use the the web page to contact them. From there, we go over to another article about Op, from Opto Twenty Two about their new Learning Center demo kit. So I thought this was very interesting. So it looks to be. Um, so typically, if you guys are wondering, typically I get rid of all when I get into the office early and I'm able to prep. I typically get rid of all those notices for cookies, so that's why you're seeing them all, because I was running late this morning. But in any case, in the box here with the Groove Epic Learning Center, you get, this is the Learning Center 2, you get the new Groove Epic LC2 controller. You also get the, some buttons and lights. You also get, um, what do you get here? You get a universal I.O. module, the Groove MM1001-10. And uh, you can see the different components that come in it. So really cool. If you're, especially if you're using Opto 22, you may want to place an order for these. They are now in manufacturing, so they'll be ready in probably six to eight weeks, I think they were saying. But in any case, you can see the full bill of material down here. I really wish more companies would do this. I know a lot of companies struggled through the supply chain shortages and have actually pulled their demo boxes uh, from, their, from their inventory. And I'm really hoping that they'll stop making them again. You know, we've covered many of them from many different vendors. And these things, these, I can't tell you enough how helpful these are to uh, customers and factories because, um, you know, it gives them something to, that they can put on the wall, that's ready to go, that they can uh, learn on, right? And, of course, with uh, Opto 22, they have a whole online learning center you can take uh, advantage of. All right, from there, we go over to our featured guide today. Today, I am just featuring all of our guides. So uh, last summer I spent, or this past summer, I should say, uh, I took uh, an entire week up at the automationblog.com and went through our 1,600, actually 1,700 articles and videos. And I said, what, are, what, are the, what products do we cover the most? And then I took those products and I took all the articles we had on them and I made curated, ordered lists of our content. So, and I, I call these guides because it starts from, hey, how to find your local representative, through how to do advanced things like PID, right? And so you can see the guides here. We have it on Control Logics, Compact Logics, S7 1500, S7 1200. Now, when you're with, I'm talking about PLC, sometimes those two different guides, like Compact and Control or 1200, 1500, they may share some different videos and articles, like how to get the software, because it's the same for both. Uh, we also have one on the Micro 800. We've had one of our freelancers who I get to meet in person, Brandon, out at um, Automation Fair. He's written a lot about the Micro 800 as well as I have. Uh, we got Panel V800 uh, guide. We got a Panel V5000 uh, guide. I did get to see Keith Hogan, 
we, he hasn't been on the show for a couple of years, but we were talking about all the new features in the Panelview 5000. So it was great to see him. Um, not, nothing really new with the Panelview Plus, but we do have an extensive guide. I think it's 140 different articles and videos on that. Um, we have VUSC. I get to go to the What's New with VUSC session at Automation Fair, so I'm excited about talking to the students at the Automation School about that and so on. You can see all the different guides we have here. So when you click on one of these guides, you'll just get a, a what I call a pretty list of all the different articles and videos, right? And uh, about 20 per page, but I also did an index, right? So I'm a big, big fan of indexes, so you can click here. And this is just a numbered list of everything in the guide, okay? So you can see here, there's 100, I think there's 140 or more on this topic. Yeah, 175 uh, articles or videos on the uh, control logics. And um, whenever you click on the guide too, if let me go back to that other guide here. Let's see if we can do this. Nope, I don't have the back button. But in any case, whenever you click on one of these guides, let's see if I can, uh, let me just click on one of these. Um, this is a Q&A, so this is an episode of the Automation Minute. You'll see down here on the right-hand side, you'll see the mini guide. So you can see this is over, uh, this looks like nine pages, but you can see here, so you can jump to any article in the guide from this mini guide on the right-hand side as well. So that is our guides. All right, so from there, OnLogic has a new uh, blog article about OpenVINO. I had no idea what this was until I read this, but this has to do with condition monitoring. So if you are um, not condition monitoring, this has to do with AI. So, and they really explain this very well. So um, you can talk about deep learning or machine learning, and they really go into OpenVINO, which is from uh, Intel. And it talks about um, model training, model optimization, interface engine, and application deployment. And they just go really deep into it. And uh, so I thought this was interesting. I want to include it to you. I did not get a chance to read the whole thing, but I read about half of it, and it was, it was really good. So in any case, from there, um, we have a new tech tip from Obviously MDT. We do have a demo we filmed with them that uh, coming up on the show, um, I, I don't know the date yet, but uh, um, as new sponsors come in, we bump back the unsponsored episodes. But in any case, I thought they did a phenomenal job, a great demo of their software. But uh, what this is, is this is a tech tip, um, and I didn't know this, but you can actually have two OctoPlant servers sync with each other, which could be helpful because you may have one in plant A and one in plant B, but you wanna, in case one dies, you wanna have them cross sync so to make sure they have all the same info. So I thought that was very interesting. And uh, of course, you probably don't want to have the same server doing every PLC you have in all your plants in the world, right? But in any case, I um, thought it was a very interesting article there. We also had an interesting article from Anybus. And uh, this is about how their newer communication modules have a legacy mode. And this talks about that. And basically what the legacy mode is, for instance, if you're on Profinet, you know, you have an old module, you're putting a new one in its place. Well, you know, you don't have to replace a GSD file and update your system to do that. That That's always very painful, especially like back in the days of DeviceNet, right? If you need a new EDS file, then you'd have to go into RS Networks for DeviceNet and the maintenance people typically couldn't do that and so on and so forth. So um, I thought it was an interesting article if you're using any of Anybus's products. From there, we go over to an article from Software Toolbox, and this really digs into understanding the difference uh, of their OPC data logger component. So if you're using that from uh, Software Toolbox, you'll find this article, I'm sure, very informative. Uh, and then we over, go over the Copia, and um, 
This article I thought was very good. This is an article about DevOps. Okay, so if you've never heard of DevOps, um, this is something they do in IT to ensure that large teams can work efficiently together. Okay, that's one way to describe it. And so we're seeing a lot of that migrate into automation because, you know, automation is usually behind just because of what we do. We got to keep plants running. That's the focus, producing products, not developing software. But software is such a huge part of what we do. So the best practice, practices from DevOps are making their way into, they have to, for people to become more and more efficient. So they're making their way into automation. I thought Copia did a great job of explaining what DevOps is and the benefits of it. So check that article if you want to learn more. Uh, from there, we also had an article from DigiKey about elevating functional safety with relay modules. So this really talks about functional safety relay modules. And I thought it was a pretty good primer for anybody out there who hasn't used a safety relay before. And with that, uh, for videos, I just wanted to remember, I, I didn't even get to see Mitch, really just to shake his hand, Jeff and Mitch. So they both came on the show this year from Metla Toledo. And um, we already talked about the IND360 that Jeff showed us, which was really, really cool. And uh, last week while I was at the fair, I didn't get to promote this much with, the, with, the, with all you, my connections. But uh, we released the episode that was... Um, their smart single point, you like how I said smart? <laughs> I parked it and then I unpocked it. Smart single point load cell with IO link from Metla Toledo. By putting IO link on the load cell, it really just, it revolutionizes, in my opinion, really load cells, right? So there's just so many advantages to this, right? It's amazing. And, um, you know, you just talk about one, the cables, right? So typically, Right in the old days, right, you'd have a load cell. Somebody you'd have to order it with so many feet, and then a lot of times people would either have to coil it up and it would be in the way, or they'd cut it and then they'd ruin the uh, the you know because the cables were matched to the load cells, so they'd ruin the performance of the load cell or offset it. And so uh, Mitch did a great job going through this and um, and uh, talking about uh, all the features and really how this changes um you know the load cell market and just get to so many advantages there so many advantages so if you haven't seen this video or podcast this is the automation podcast episode 178 and uh um we also have i believe this week if i remember correctly red lion with their rack 10 um coming up our ra is the ra10c coming up this week and then next week for thanksgiving week which i won't be around i'll be off on vacation um we're doing a special interview I pre-recorded with um, the, the folks from Manufacture Local, talking about manufacturing art, talking about a history of, you know, uh, promoting manufacturing as a great uh, job and so on. So uh, looking forward to editing both of those this week and getting them uh, scheduled to come out. But in any case, from there we go over to there's a new event here. I actually get to uh, talk to the folks from uh, Horner Automation. I think we're scheduled to record an episode this week, which I'm excited because I know nothing about their products, but they do a lot of webinars. They do a lot with control systems and uh, they actually have a, a webinar coming up uh, Tuesday, November 21st at 2 p.m. I think they have one almost every week. And this one is about exchanging uh, data from their control system with Ignition using MQTT spot plug. So we're hearing more and more about that. And for those ignition users out there, this would probably be a, definitely a good one. Or Horner Automation, OCS users, this would definitely be a good uh, webinar to register for. There were some webinars I'm not covering today that happen either today or tomorrow. I just thought it was just too little notice to give you guys. So I'm trying to not tell you, you know, if it, at least a week out so you guys can get it in your calendar, right? So in any case, uh, from there, there's another event here. 
And this one's from Odyssey MDT. And this one's a live webcast, Transform Disaster Recovery for Manufacturers. So basically, why do you need a disaster recovery software, right? And this one's scheduled for November 20th at 10 a.m. Eastern. Okay, so that's a week away. So in any case, the timing's good. And if you've ever thought about doing a disaster recovery package like, you know, uh, Octoplan or uh, Copia or Asset Center, you know, you probably want to check out and see what these guys are doing here. With that, um, let's see. Oh, we got an updated firmware for S7 1500 CPUs and ET200 CPUs. So I'll include that link at automate.news if you want to learn more about that. We also have um, a new AI software development kit from Siemens available to download. Let's see here. It looks like there's a bunch of different versions here you can download. It looks like there's a version 1.5.0 out. That's the first one that comes up. From there, we had some new documentations from uh, Rockwell. So we had a couple on Connective Components Workbench. Um, one's a brochure and one's a quick tips. I actually had somebody ask me recently, hey, is there any way to migrate, uh, you know, is there a migrate wizard from CCW to Studio 5000? I'm like, I have never seen that. But I had forgotten that they did enable the ability to copy and paste between the two platforms. So I have not tried this. But you can see here, right in black and white, or right in color and glossy brochure, they, they're promoting the fact that you can copy and paste from Studio 5000 Logics Designer to CCW and vice versa. So um, if you're the person who asked me that question, there's an answer for you. <laughs> and from there, here's the tips. I thought these tips were good. Um, I didn't get to read them because of just the time frame this morning. But really, I, I love that they have the new uh, text bar up here that you can just type in your ladder logic, which I love to do because sometimes it's just quicker to type it in and drag things all around. But in any case, you can see this uh, tip document as well. And they had a new uh, document about their Ponyo very high-speed counter modules. These are the VHSCs. I, I probably need to pick up some for my course because I don't think I have any. I'll find out when I do my uh, do the videos this week. But in any case, I want to make sure I count, uh, include all the counters and uh, even go back on the S7 course I did and do counters on that as well. So, uh, because they're important, right? High-speed counters. So that's a new manual there. We had a couple new manuals from uh, Emerson. We had a new quick stock guide for the Rosemont 928 wireless game mon wireless gas monitor, not gauge. And we also had a new quick stock on the Rosemont 9195 wedge meter assembly, as well as new operating manuals for the Bettis RTS FQ series. And this one, I thought this was interesting because of the nomenclature. So this is from Umron. This is the new Ethan IP unit. And I'm like, what's a unit, right? Um, but in any case, uh, this appears to be, and, and we've reached out to Umron to get him on the show. So it's not that I want to be ignorant. It's just that I can't get anybody from Umron on the show. But in any case, uh, this appears to be a communication module. If you guys know, let me know, and uh, then I'll be, uh, I'll be wiser. But in any case, you can see here it's the CS1W, EIP21, and EIP21S. And these units support you know, hundreds of thousands of, of words of uh, uh, linked tags. To, um, and I just I thought it was very interesting. I really don't, as I'm looking at this, I'm like, I don't know what this does, but it seems to have some very high-end capacity there. So if you're an Umron user, check that out. And uh, we had some new manuals from Siemens. We had a new manual on the ET200SP, a CyWareX uh, technology module that's for weighing. We also had a new uh, manual on my HMI automotive PLC blocks. 
which looks, the title just looks very interesting. And we also had one on the, and I, I didn't even know about this product, the Cymatic S7 4100 controller. So um, I don't know what that is, but it's much bigger than 1500, right? And from there, we'll end the show today. Oh, we're still not eight o'clock yet. We're doing good with a, a other science and technology article. And this is talking about or comparing the current chip battle for generative AI. And um, so NVIDIA is uh, just a short version. NVIDIA is in the lead as far as their chips being the fastest. But Intel is closing in. Uh, Google, unfortunately, is way behind. But, um, you know, but everybody will catch up. Eventually, you know, it seems like, you know, a rising tide raises all boats, right? So competition is good and competition helps everybody do better. And so um, I think the fact that NVIDIA is winning is not a surprise. Um, they, they got into this very, very early. Um, it's good to see Intel uh, putting up some very good competition as well. So if you're interested in following AI, machine learning, and, you know, the training that goes into these systems and the chipsets, you'll probably find this article interesting. I did. And so from there, we go over to a new press release. Um, this week at SPS in Nuremberg, I guess, um, Siemens is talking about TIA Portal version 19. So the latest and greatest brand new version of TIA Portal. And this particular press release talks about the motion control features designed to make motion control easy. And some of the things they talk about here is the ability in version 19 of TIA Portal for different users to create their own workspaces and write complex motion applications. And this new design is supposed to make it easier to reuse applications, easier to um, deploy them, track them, and trace them, and so on. So I thought that was very interesting. I'm really hoping we can get uh, Siemens back on the Automation Podcast to talk about V19. I've always enjoyed, we've had them on several times, probably a couple dozen times, and I really enjoy learning what's new. I also, I'm talking to all vendors about getting them on to talk about what's new, including Rockwell and Opto22 and all the other vendors you can think of. But uh, in any case, we're fans of all automation, and I really want to learn about what's new with uh, TIA Portal V19. So from there, we go over to an article from ABB. This is a press release slash uh, case study or application note. And it's about ABB's Yumi robots or cobots. And uh, they're talking here about how it can alleviate workforce shortages. So if you have some, if you need to scale a production, but you can't find enough people to man the, uh, the work cells, um, they're promoting their Yumi robots. And I thought this was really interesting. The video is pretty cool too. These are cobots, but with two arms, almost like it has a torso and two shoulders and two arms. And you can see in the video that it's doing some pick and place things and doing some assembly. And it's just an interesting take, I thought, on cobots by having a single cobot with two cobot arms. And if you watch it long enough, it starts to look like a person, right? So um, I thought it was very interesting. The video was very well done. Um, and here's another picture you can see of them here. From there, we go over to PNF. I thought this was a very interesting product when I found this this morning over on their website. This is a, a this article is entitled Plug, Play, and Push. New push button box with IO link. So we all know the advantage of IO link. We talk about it every morning. I do want to say hi to Nathan in the chat and everybody else who's uh, watching. If you want to chat and say hi, you can uh, you can uh, do so in the chat. Um, but in any case, uh, this new uh, push button station is not just a standard two button push button station. It has IO link and the push buttons actually are illuminated push buttons and the illumination is full RGB supported. So. It's like a mini display there 
you can see on this one, I know it's kind of hard to see, but you can see they have actually a color wheel on, on the button, not just a full one color. And so in, in any case, there's five standard colors. There's a, you can choose any color you want from the full RGB spectrum. There's a flashing modes, there's night modes. I just thought this was a very, very cool product. Here you can see it in a standard green and red configuration. But, uh, you know, illuminated push buttons, you know, I know a lot of people used to use them in training. I always thought they confused the students because, you know, the button would have an input and then the output for the button would be a different number in most trainers. And I always thought it confused them. And a lot of people expect when you push a button, the light comes on just from internal wiring, not because it's wired to an output of a PLC. But in this case, I can see some really cool things you can do, like flashing the buttons, like uh, like dimming them if, at nighttime. If you're if you have a uh, you know you don't want and some of these LED buttons can be so bright, right? So in any case, um, I thought just thought it was an interesting product. I wanted to share that with you this morning. From there, we go over to a press release from CodeSys. This is actually a couple weeks old. I missed this one. This was actually before their the uh, help wanted hiring press release that we covered. But this is about their DNP3 protocol. So this is new to uh, CodeSys. It's an option you can purchase. I believe it was $240. But um, the real th reason I was highlighting this is because I, they did a great job of breaking down DMP3 and kind of explaining it to the average user. So I've, I've never used DMP, right? And so I know some of Rockwell's products had it. I know some of Siemens and other people's products have it. But you know, uh, I've mostly used the major field buses. So I really enjoyed this article explaining DMP3 up at the, the CodeSys uh, website. So I will include a link to that as well. From there, we go over to Positile. Now, I was just teasing the people at Positile at Automation Fair saying, hey, you guys only release news once a month in your newsletter. It'd be nice to have some more stuff. And uh, so then I get back and look, they have an announcement. They just uh, added uh, SSI to um, to their uh, next gen IX Arc encoders. So if you ever if you need have a need for an encoder that has SSI, you can now get that from Positile. So that's very interesting. We have another encoder story here from Balmer, and this is a brand new safety encoder. So very interesting product here. This is the EAM 580RS, and they say they are one of the first. Encoder manufacturers to include the, to meet the latest requirements of SIL2 PLD. So, I, you know, I'm not up to speed on what's changing with uh, those safety requirements and, you know, IEC 61508 and so on. But uh, in any case, um, if you're looking for a safety encoder, now you have a new option. From there, we go over to an article from Phoenix Contact. I think the title on this is wrong. It says Trio Power Supplies with Integrated Circuit Breakers, but the article is actually on these cool little connectors, the XPC 1.5 connectors, uh, they're PCB connectors with PushX technology. And not that I'm so interested on the PCB side because I'm not making any, any circuit boards, but um, the PushX technology is just seems really cool. And, um, you know, there's, you know, other similar things from other vendors here, but I thought it was an interesting product announcement, so I included it in today's show. And from there, we go over to our featured product. Today, we're featuring the, the ControlLogix Level 1 and 2 course from the automationschool.com. This course actually includes three courses. So you get the original course, right? Then you get the Logix Live on-demand course that uh, I taught back in the late 2021. I think it was late 2021. It was 2021 in any case. And I will be uh, hosting more of those virtual live courses in, um, in 2024. 
But in any case, um, you also get with this cost, the brand new cost, I am beginning to film now. Matter of fact, you'll start seeing the wall and everything be dismantled here because I'm going to be filming the uh, updated hardware overviews. We did pick up some additional products. Um, we got safety products. We got the L7 safety, L6 safety. We got some new uh, modules um, and whatnot. So I'll be filming uh, uh, lessons for the new course every week. Uh, and so you'll start getting those lessons of that new 2023-2024 course. Uh, you just start seeing new lessons show up in those here very shortly. Actually, there's already been some added to it, and you'll see that in the ultimate course. So from there, we go over to an article from uh, PNF, and this is about Profinet gateways. Okay, so uh, again, a product from uh, PNF, and these support their remote I/O systems, their LB and FB remote I/O systems. And they're featuring four major features of these. First of all, support for S2 system redundancy. Second, ring redundancy support, right? Um, third, they're, they're supporting uh, what they call shared device functions. And uh, so this is, think of uh, produce consumed or uh, publisher subscriber type model. And then fourth, dynamic reconfiguration. So you can actually reconfigure these on the fly. So if you are using um, Profinet and you're looking at the LB or FB IO system, so if you look at the LB, we're talking zone two, class one, div two, and the FB is zone one, um, you can use these gateways to, um, to get it onto your Profinet. So very interesting products there from PNF. Now from there we go over to uh, SIC and they were highlighting their wire drawer encoder, the Vario line. And this is interesting, I've never had an opportunity to use one of these, but uh, these particular models are stainless steel and uh, they go up to three meters. So very interesting and I don't know, if you guys are using these in an application, I'd love to know what you're using them for. But in any case, I do want to highlight that because they were highlighting it on their website as a new product or an updated product. From there we go over the PLC Next and I'm always on their website looking for uh, what's new and happening. And uh, they have a new article here, uh, Optimizing the Cost of Energy Using PLC Next. And I thought it was very interesting. I thought the, uh, the graphic here was very interesting about uh, how they were monitoring and uh, controlling uh, energy. And um, uh, unfortunately, the article kind of left me wanting a little bit more detail. So they kind of talk about the application broadly, but they didn't really go into any detail. So um, I wanted to include it because, you know, just to, to give them, it's a new article from PLC Next. We haven't seen anything from them in a, probably a month or two. So, um, but in any case, if I had any feedback from them, I'd say, could you add some more meat to the article? If it didn't really, it, it told me, you know, some bullets here, but it didn't really get into any specifics. From there, we go over to Pillars and they have a new article. It's similar to the one we covered recently, but this is on IOLink safety. And in this article, they're hitting some highlights like, um, Master of safe, the master of the safe connection. So IOLink safety, and uh, they're talking about their safety master, the PDP67. And um, they go through here and they talk about how easy it is to swap devices if a device fails because of IOLink and um, how it, you're getting so much more data and condition monitoring and so on uh, across IOLink and um, so on. So uh, if you're using pills or you're looking for, to learn about IOLink safety, I would recommend this article as well as the previous two we talked about. From there, we go over to our feature guide. We have, if you didn't know, we have 16 guides up at theautomationblog.com. So uh, last summer, I took uh, our 1,600, 1,700 plus articles and videos. I took the 
the products we've talked about the most and I turned them into guides. And here you can see the one for the control logics. These are all free, always free, and always have been free. And uh, the guide is just an ordered list of all the content we covered, in this case on control logics. And you get to see if it's a video, it'll have an episode uh, number at the end, like duplicating routines. We did that as a video, and we also did that as an article. So if it has an episode number, it is a video. You can see down here, some of our freelancers have written about different uh, logics instructions. They've written about redundancy systems and so on. And then at the very end, you'll see all the news about what's new and happening with uh, Rockwell as that we keep that at the end of the list here. But there are some great uh, articles about, uh, you know, translating, using, using the translate routine. I recently updated one of these to um, include uh, the new ways of doing it and the old ways of doing it. So there's a new way to do it with the new uh, RS Logix 5 and 500, and then there's the older ways with the uh, utility. So from there, we go over to uh, the digital newsstand, and Pills's new uh, digital uh, newsletter is out. It's the English newsletter with the German name. And uh, But keep in mind that the newsletter is in English, even though it has a German title. And in this newsletter, they talk about IO-Link safety, they talk about industrial security, and they talk about safety locking devices. And I think what you'll find is this is a compilation of a lot of the stuff we've covered over the past few weeks. From there, we go over the firmware upgrades. If you're using the Siemens Scalant switches, there is a firmware upgrade for those. And if you're using Umron, we have uh, some new manuals on their programming terminals. The NA series, we have a new software users manual. We have a new device connection manual. And we have a new manual on their programmable multi-axis controller, the CK3C. If you're using Umron, you want to get those. And if you're using Side Numeric, there's a new manual on Side Numeric 1, My Virtual Machine 3D Builder, as well as Industrial Edge for Machine Tools. And with that, we get to our final story here from uh, IEEE Spectrum. And this is about thermal transistors. I thought this was so interesting. So what this uh, college had done is they wanted to find a way to be able to turn on and off a path for heat to flow. Okay, instead of current to flow for heat to flow, right? So you may not think this is a, a big deal because in a standard CPU, you just, you know, stick your uh, heat sink on it. And if the heat sink got really hot, you could have a fan come on. Or if you can't have a fan, you would just put even a bigger heat sink on it, right? We saw that in like the OnLogix, excuse me. <clears throat> The OnLogics, uh, we talked about that in the OnLogics podcast where we, we talked about heat sinks. You can see one of their ads up there um, and how they go fanless, right, with your industrial computers. But in any case, um, what I thought was interesting with this is this, this has applications with the new 3D chips we've been talking about where they're layering chips on top of each other to make a 3D chip. And, um, you know, you may have to cool one section of the chip at one point in time and another section of the chip at another point in time. And if you have like three layers, how do you get a heat sink to touch the one in the middle, right? So with a technology like this, um, you would be able to uh, turn on the flow of heat out of the chip to your heat sink. And so you could say, all right, uh, middle section A, we'll, we'll send that to the heat sink. And then if that cools down, then we could do middle section C and throw, flow that heat to the heat sink. So I just thought it was very interesting. It's all conceptual, like R&D in the lab right now, but still I thought it was an interesting article. So in any case, uh, here you can see the automationblog.com. And uh, I've updated the links up here too. If you look way up at the top here, the mini links at the, the top menu. So I've updated those so you can uh, find the news tip. You can find the follow link, the feedback, talkback link, 
and so on. So I've added those there. We often direct uh, vendors to the media guide if they want to know about sponsoring an episode. And uh, a lot of that will be getting overhauled at the beginning of the year. But in any case, uh, with that, I do also want to thank today's sponsor, which is Siemens. I want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. If you see anybody from Siemens, please thank them for making this episode ad-free and for sponsoring independent automation journalism. We really appreciate it. Here you can see the unified comfort panels. I know you can't see it, but that's the same unit that's above my head. And they are gorgeous, really are. So from there, we're going to go over to our first press release today. And this is from a lot's going on, right? SPS, right? So this is a press release uh, about Siemens working with a couple of vision, machine vision companies, Basler and MVT or MV Tech. And I thought this was very interesting, especially that they're going to be coming out with a technology module for the S7-1500 to... Um, so they can connect the Bassler cameras directly to it. So uh, very interesting stuff. Also interesting, the edge uh, environment that MV Tech software is going to be able to run on uh, inside of the Siemens ecosystem. So very interesting stuff there from Siemens and their partners on machine vision. We also had another very interesting announcement. And, and I kind of focused in on this because I saw for uh, there was a press conference. If you were following me at uh, Automation Fair, there was a press conference where they talked about generative AI. So that's AI used to generate content, right? And so that really piqued my interest because you could ask their AI, hey, create a mode of control routine and it would give you the code for ladder logic as I, as I talked about in my live stream last week. Now, this week uh, we're seeing that uh, Siemens and Schaefer are talking about the same thing. They're calling it their industrial co-pilot. So a lot of these are based on Microsoft's co-pilot and Microsoft's uh, you know, investment in open AI. And so you're going to start to see a lot of co-pilot terminology as everybody leverages, you know, a lot of these big industrial, uh, I think almost all of them are partners with Microsoft. And so they're going to be leveraging Microsoft's co-pilot to create their own co-pilots for their specific industries, right? And so Siemens is calling, and Schaefer are calling this the industrial co-pilot. And I thought it was interesting, especially this paragraph here that talks about, you know, this is going to support engineers. So you know, I think in the past, I mean, we all used help files and embedded videos and links in, a, in the software, right? In TIA Portal and Studio 5000 and, and CodeSys and other packages. But um, I think what's interesting in this is, you know, if you ever tried one of those old uh, uh, bots, right? <laughs> they were supposed to answer your questions. Most of them never worked really well. So this is kind of like the next generation, just like the uh, home speakers from uh, Amazon and Google were kind of like the next generation of of, and, and I should say Siri too, on, on like Apple. Um, they were the next generation of kind of like a voice assistant. This is kind of the next generation of help files and, and chat bots that are supposed to be extremely helpful. And just think about it, if you could do this inside of your programming software, instead of having to go, because most of these sites, you have to go to multiple different, and trust me, I do, I check them every day. You have to go to different places for the knowledge base, for the forum, for the manuals, for the downloads, right? For the updates, firmwares. And so having a smart bot that could do all of that, generative AI that could actually go and leverage all that information that these large vendors have and then bring it to you quickly, kind of like what our voice assistants do for us in our personal lives. I think that would be great. So we'll be watching this space closely. I'm, I'm excited about this. Can't wait to see some of this uh, technology in the new year um, or even sooner if we, if we uh, get somebody on sooner. 
But from there, we go over to an exciting announcement for anybody using BNR products. They have a beautiful portfolio. I shouldn't say beautiful. They have just an excellent portfolio. If you've ever seen their, their line of products, automation products, it's pretty, pretty amazing and up there with, uh, I would say, with many of the big players out there. But they just launched a, um, a new online community. So if you're a BNR user, you can check out this brand new community over at community.br-automation.com. So just a regular BNR uh, website with community dot at the front of it instead of www. And from there, we're going over to our featured product today. This is uh, the Automation Schools Compact Basics course. I'm showing the level one and two course here, but I wanna go back full screen. So I made a huge investment um, this year in new hardware for all these Ultimate courses I'm filming. And I wanted to give you a taste of what's new for this. So these are all these products you see on the uh, workbench here. I did not own when I filmed the original version of my Control Logics, Compact Logics course. And so uh, from uh, left to right, we have, we do now own an L43 system. We have two Ethernet cards and a control net card. And um, so I'm excited about that. This is a, a lesser known system. It was used a lot for a Circos motion. And um, in any case, uh, we won't be adding motion just yet to any of the courses, but um, we do have that on hand. We also, I think I told you guys this, I picked up a, uh, a 5069 Ethernet adapter so we can add that to the Flex IO and the Point IO we do. Have not seen any of the Flex, before you ask, I have not seen any of the Flex 5000 affordably available on the, uh, either as a sample, because I never get samples from them or from, um, from uh, on the used market. So we won't be covering that just yet unless we borrow it, which we may end up doing. Also got an, uh, an L35E and an L35CR. I didn't think I was gonna pick up one of these, but the price was right. Also got the original L20, the first Compact Logics ever. This is not the first one, but this is the first one ever released. We had an L30 for a while. We've actually got it set up in Studio B. We got it plugged into all kinds of stuff, um, but it's nice to have the L20. And then uh, we'll be able to add the, uh, we had an L31 sampled into us from, or, or donated to us from a viewer a while back. I want to thank that viewer and uh, uh, we'll be uh, filming hardware overviews on all of these uh, in the coming days to add to the ultimate. Uh, you'll start seeing all new courses, new videos uh, added to those ultimate courses oh, uh, as in the coming days. But I did want to just uh, provide an update for our folks. Again, if you are in, already enrolled in Compact Logics Level 1 and 2, which is still on sale, you will get this new course completely free. As a matter of fact, when you buy that course, you get this course, you're automatically enrolled in the new course. So with that, we go over to a new product from Baloof. And these are mini fork sensors. This is like a, a, a transmitted beam type of setup uh, for a photo eye, so a through beam as some people call it. But these all feature a five millimeter slot and a pretty interesting stuff. It actually comes in multiple different uh, models depending on how you have to mount it to your machine. Um, they all come with an IP64 rating and um, really bright LEDs so you can tell if they're on or off. I know that can be uh, very important if you're trying to troubleshoot the machine. Um, I've been working with that on my digital twin I'm building for the school and uh, getting the LEDs so you can see them all from the control panel. Very important if you want to understand what the machine's doing. Um, they also are very, very precise, high repeatability up to 3 kilohertz. Um, unified slot width of 5 millimeters and they even include, uh, if you want it, you can get it with a four pin eight M8 plug. So that's uh, that's great if you're standardized on M8s. So I wanted to share that with you this morning. We also have a new high flow solenoid valve from Emerson, okay? This is the ASCO Series 327C, and this is designed for high flow. 
okay? So if you're looking for a new, uh, you know, control valve, solenoid valve, right? Um, you might want to check this one out. I was looking down here, a lot of information on it. I think the one thing that really stood out to me too was that it not only supports uh, a wide temperature range of minus 60 to plus 90 degrees Celsius, it also is SIL-3 capable. So uh, definitely a uh, impressive uh, solenoid valve there from Emerson. Then over the positile, again, uh, you know, I was giving them a little grief at Automation Fair about only doing a monthly newsletter. And now we have another announcement from them. This is actually came out while I was at the fair. And this is about their new generation of IXR kit encoders, okay? So um, these are their, uh, you know, I guess some of the high points of this is higher resolution, more stable performance, more compact form factor, better protection from dust and moisture, and simplified installation. So you can check that out. And again, all links are over at automate.news or will be this afternoon. From there, we go over the Rex for us and they've announced that they've expanded their aluminum structural framing, okay? So a lot of people call this extruded aluminum or T-slotted aluminum. We have, we use it quite a bit here in our test stands for, on the, for the stuff we do on the workbench. And uh, we actually will have lessons on, we had some preliminary lessons. We got more lessons coming on that. Um, I'm not gonna build the, uh, the, 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 the new test stand until I'm done filming all the, all the overhead camera pictures of the, uh, of the products, but we will be adding lessons uh, on how, what we do and how we build our system to all the ultimate courses. But in any case, so if you look here, they added an inch 10 and inch 15 series to their portfolio. Uh, from there, a product that I think, uh, um, well, let me start out at the top here. You can see, I was just reading this right before the show started. Um, this is new products for November, uh, as detailed in Profi News, this link got lost in my daily link of views. So this actually was published November 1st and I did not cover it because of all the craziness getting ready for the Siemens and Rockwell events. But it's back on the list again. And uh, the first product they're highlighting today in Profi News is a smart lithium battery with ProfiNet built in. And this is great for if you have an AGV or AMR and it's a Siemens system, you wanna communicate via ProfiNet built into the uh, lithium ion battery. So um, from there we go over to a new uh, M12 uh, nano series of ultrasonic sensors from Microsonic with IO-Link. And then this one, I thought this one was interesting. This is from Wago. I did not see this on the Wago site, but this is a new four point IO-Link master. And this new one has a larger uh, process image up to 48 bytes. So, and you can do up to 32 bytes per transmission. So if you're using the old one and that was frustrating, like the memory limitations, you can check this new one out from Wago. And then a product we uh, we're very familiar with here on the Automation Morning Show and at Insights and Automation, the IND360 from Metla Toledo. I get to say a quick hi to Jeff when I was at Automation Fair. I wish I could have stopped and spent more time with him and Mitch, but uh, I really enjoyed this episode of the Automation Podcast. If you're wondering what episode that was, it was uh, Podcast 169. And uh, this guy, now this does not just connect to Metla Toledo load cells. This can connect to, if I remember correctly, any load cell. So, uh, and you can even upgrade it so it's like a mini HMI as well. So just, a, I, I think Jeff did a great job in the, uh, in the presentation as well. So in any case, if you want to know more about that uh, weighing indicator, check that out. From there, um, I wanted to go right into our uh, featured guide of today. And today we're featuring our Compact Logics guide over at theautomationblog.com. You can get all of the guides here from the guides menu. And um, over 150 now different pieces of free 
content, free articles and free videos on using the Compact Logics. And what's new about the guides are I've ordered them from simplest to more complex. So you can see here at the beginning, let me zoom in, zoom in for those who you, of you who are watching. You know, we have a big audio audience now. I want to say hi to everybody who's listening to the show on maybe iTunes or Google Podcasts or Spotify or one of those many places that we cover, you know, Amazon Music and so on. Um, we've had over 30,000 downloads of the show. I was just kind of blown away. So thank you to everybody who listens on the audio side. We really do appreciate you guys as well. And uh, for that audio audience, you can see here, uh, starting with number six in the index, we have the L20 and L30 I just talked about, the L3X, L23, L4X, and so on. So, And then as you get down the guide here, you find articles and videos about duplicating rungs. And now these are shared between the Control Logics and Compact Logics guides because it's generic. It's just Studio 5000, right? And as we go down further, we'll see things about, um, you know, alias tags, logics instructions, uh, sample code, and so on, plant PAX, messaging, and so on. So in any case, that is our featured guide for today. From there, we go over to some articles, a lot of new articles today. This one is the first one I'll cover is one from Schneider Electric. And this talks about how smart design and engineer, engineering optimizes project execution for system integrators. And I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, it's a light read, but they talk about Industry 4.0 and they really start going into the e ecostructure process expert. So, uh, you know, this is more on the distributed control side. And they talk about project management, they talk about design and configuration, they talk about testing and commissioning, and as well as documentation and reporting. And uh, this reminds me, we are doing, I think it's tomorrow, we are meeting up with Schneider to do a fourth episode of the show with them, uh, uh, this time on VFDs, I believe. So um, in any case, we are also meeting up with Siemens to learn about their new VFDs. Man, it's going to be uh, VFDs all day uh, all, all uh, day tomorrow. But in any case, uh, we love getting the vendors on. Really appreciate them coming on and talking about their automation products. And um, we want to cover all the major vendors. And so uh, shout out to Schneider and Siemens for their support. Uh, from there, we have another article from Schneider. This one is uh, energy waste to energy savings. And um, I thought this was a very interesting article. And of course, you know, wasting energy, especially they talk about in this article, the projected shortfall of natural gas in Europe this winter. You know, we all know what's going on in Europe and how, uh, how messed up uh, that area is, especially Eastern Europe. But in any case, uh, we can just pray for peace. But um, until then, we have to have energy, right? And so if there's an energy shortfall, the best thing we can do is be more efficient. Shut down things we don't need running and uh, so on. So this article really goes through that and talks about you know, measuring consumption, active energy management, right? Automating the systems and then monitoring the systems. And this, these are not things we haven't talked about before, but I think they made some good points about implementing dashboards, uh, unified end-to-end -end visibility. So you just don't want to see the panel meter, you know, the power meter on the system. You want to be able to see it from your desk as well, right? So you want to be able to, that information to be available so you can truly monitor what's going on in your plant as far as energy consumption. And so I thought they made a very good point. I did not watch the video down here. Typically, their videos are very good, but um, you can check that out if that's an article that would interest you. Uh, from there, we go over to Pills. Now, they had a new article, and we've seen similar articles like this in the past, but this one talks about dynamic zone switching uh, for uh, mobile robots, right? 
And so they go into the, some of the products that they make that they feel are great for mo mobile robots, AGVs, uh, AMRs, and so on. And that includes their small safety controller, the PNAS Multi-2. We were talking about that earlier in the week. As well as their safety laser scanner, the PSENSE scan. We've talked about that in the past. They also have security, uh, firewalls, um, and other devices that you can put on your AMRs and AGVs. So this article kind of walks through those and then provides links to all the other, uh, you know, products that they talked about. From there, we go over to Yaskawa, right? I haven't had a new article from them in a little while. And uh, I thought this was very interesting, though. It's like, what can small, hmm, let me, let me try that again. What can small welding work cells do for you? And so we've seen, you know, welding and robotics has been around for, well, since industrial robots, right? It's one of the main things robots have done. But uh, a lot of smaller cells haven't been using robotics. And they talk about the advantages of allowing robots to do uh, small welding jobs, right? Not just the big ones. And uh, so in any case, they talk about um, it helps you utilize your floor space better by having a smaller robot. Um, it lowers your cost of entry because you're buying a smaller system to do welding versus a very large system, right? And um, they say it complements existing work cells. And that's always important because you don't want to disturb the flow of your manufacturing facility just to add some new technology and that doesn't make any sense, right? And so the, I'm not gonna go through all the bullet points in the article, but if you're interested in robotic welding, especially small cell welding, uh, check that article out. From there, another article, this one is from Aviva, let me get rid of these things. And um, this talks about cloud collaboration and innovation. And this is kind of a lighthearted article talking about, you know, what makes engineers happy and how you can, uh, leverage current technologies, right, to uh, get everybody, uh, you know, to be more productive and make things, uh, the workflows work better. And so I thought that was interesting. I'm not going to go into it, but you can imagine access to the cloud, access to be able to collaborate on projects easy, easily, you know, versus Sneakernet or, uh, or just uh, shared files on a network share. Um, they go into that. They go into collaboration, extending that, digital twins. They talk about um, innovation. They also talk about um, inclusivity, and a lot of times when we think inclusivity, we're thinking um, virtual signaling, right? But there's a lot of things, especially with terminology, that need to be improved. Like uh, last week at the show, they were talking about the word user, right? So even from my early days as a preteen, the word user, computer user, or application user, program user, I always thought it was a weird name, right? And you go back to the, the movie Tron, right? The users, the users, right? And so, uh, in any case, changing words like that, that don't translate very well into other languages, right, um, and replace maybe user with a person or people, um, you know, that can have a big effect not only on, you know, the younger generation understanding what's being talked about, but also it makes it easier to translate to other languages. So, I, I thought this article uh, was very interesting, so I wanted to share it with you. From there, we go over to Profi News, another article I missed, um, getting ready for the shows, but... These, this is an excellent article. If you use Profinet and you're talking about uh, uh, Profinet safety or ProfiSafe, check this article out. It's a great introductory article to Profinet application profiles like ProfiSafe. And so I learned something from reading this. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of information in here about ProfiSafe and how that is an added layer onto 
on top of Profinet and how it works. And I thought this uh, graph down here, I'm going to skip a bunch of the article here to come down to this graph. I thought this was very interesting to see how, you know, all the things they're trying to avoid, like repetition, uh, insertion by, you know, maybe a hacker inserting packets, resequency, data corruption, delay, masquerading, again, talking about people trying to do harm to your system, and so on, and how the, uh, how the application takes care of this and avoids any of this from happening. And so I thought that was very interesting. And, uh, you know, if you're into uh, safety networks or safety over Ethernet, you probably enjoy this article as well. From there, uh, one more thing, and I really want to follow this topic more in 2024, is SRCI. Okay, what does that stand for? Well, that stands for, I'm going to find it here. It stands for a standard... Uh, <laughs> this is what happens uh, when it's early in the morning and you're co coffee deprived. Deprived. This ta this is a standard robot command interface. Standard robot command interface. And so we've talked about this actually very early in the year. We talked about this. The problem being that you know up until now, if you want to implement a robot with your control system with your PLC PAC, you typically every different robot vendor had a different interface you had to use, right? And so what the standard robot command interface does is it tries to eliminate that. It tries to get all the robotic vendors and all the PLC vendors on the same page to use a standard interface because you're going to use the best in breed robot. You're not just going to standardize on a single robot from a single manufacturer. You want to use the best one for the application. And so they're really pushing this. This is something that the, the Profi folks are trying to push. And I think it's a very good trend. I'd like to see more and more of this in the future. I know there's some competing standards in the in the works as well but uh, in any case if you want to like this is really like an intro intro to srci so if you want to uh if you're interested in that check that out i, I definitely think it is like they say here a win-win-win for robot automation now from there we're going over to events and there is a new event coming up from obviously mdt now we did record an episode of the automation podcast with them they did a great demo look for that in december but in any case, um, this, is, uh, this is great. If you have TI Portal S7s and you want to do automated backup, they're doing a webinar on this on November 24th. I will be on vacation. But this is November 24th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So check that out. And um, that, that I don't know what day that is. What day is that next week? Let me look because I know I will be on vacation for Thanksgiving week. Typically, I don't go away for Thanksgiving, so that's the Friday after Thanksgiving. So if you're bored, if your relatives are dropping you nuts, check out this, uh, check out this webinar. Um, but in any case, uh, I, I typically don't go away for Thanksgiving week. I usually get a lot done here because it's a slower week for us. But uh, we're getting the whole family together uh, down uh, at my daughter's house in North Carolina. So I'm really looking forward to seeing all my grandkids and seeing, um, seeing my kids, all my kids, and um, my dad's going to be with us, and my brother and my brother-in-law coming over. They're uh, ex-Marines living near the Marine base, so um, it's going to be a great time. But in any case, uh, oh, I do want to say uh, hi to Frank. Yeah, he's, he, he threw out some uh, terminology, user, client, master, server. Yeah. Um, so in any case, uh, so this is November 24th. It's 10 a.m. Again, if Friday after Thanksgiving you are... Uh, you, you need some work? I, I, I question the timing of that, but who knows? They could have a big turnout because everybody's off. Uh, from there, we go over to a new video from, I know I have to do this every morning, 
a new video from Emerson. I thought this one was really good and it's strange because I don't know why I liked it so much. But this particular one that I picked here, and I always have to look here for the title, is this is the assembly of, oh, you know what? And this is this is kind of some of the behind the scenes things I got. You got to click through all those things and then you got to sort it and then you got to go to languages. So this is the stuff I try to hide from you every morning. Um, but in any case, this is how to assemble assemble an electric actuator. And I don't know why I like this so much, but it, it just is. Let me mute it here so we don't get interrupted. But I just thought it was just a very well done video. And it just shows you how to, uh, let me back up a little bit. It shows you the whole assembly process. I thought they did it. I, I'm not a big fan of these background anim animations. I think it detracts from it a little bit. But the, the voiceover, I believe it's a British accent, if I remember from watching it this morning. But I thought the graphics and everything, it's just like a case study for doing a great assembly video. So uh, in any case, I wanted to share that with you. Also, we'll go over to the Automation Podcast at theautomationblog.com. Uh, we had a great podcast uh, last week while I was at Automation Fair. We released the... Um, Single point load cell with IO-Link uh, podcast from Metla Toledo. I really enjoyed it. Um, really a game changer, right? Mitch, Mitch really explains how it changes the game for load cells, and I couldn't agree more. Um, also, today, we have the Red Lion episode coming out where we talk about IEC 62443 and zones and conduits. And I had a great conversation with Barry on that. And then we roll into their product, the RA-10C, which we have covered on the show before. And a really excellent episode, 3.30, look for it on all platforms. And uh, we may even get it out at 3 o'clock. Sometimes we release at 3 o'clock on the Automation Blog so it, can, so it can get out to all the audio audiences. I know we are, I think we're at 130,000 downloads of the podcast. We have by and far, thanks to you, the audience, have made the Automation Podcast the number one industrial automation podcast in the world. We thank you guys so much. It is such a pleasure to be able to interview people every week and uh and get them on the show so thank you everybody who watches the podcast really appreciate you guys and everybody who watches the show as well so with that i'm just looking at the time here um there is oh, for downloads over at siemens website there's a new plc content update pack version 1.0 for autocad electrical so if you're using autocad electrical check that out and siemens products check that out we also have some new manuals here we have a new manual from emerson on the spence type VH210 electronic actuator pilot. And they also had a new manual on the Micromotion G-Series flow and density meters. Then if we go over to Siemens, we got a new industrial ethernet switch uh, manuals. These were both updated. This is the web-based management manual. And then we also have the command line manual. So if you're using the Siemens managed switches, you might wanna check that out. And from there, the final uh, thing we'll talk about today, the final article is um, from IEEE Spectrum, this is in our science and technology section, other science and technology section. And uh, I thought this was extremely interesting about these new speaker chips, okay? So they go through how a, like with normal earbuds and speakers work, which I think we're all familiar with that. But then they start talking about speaker chips and how they use ultrasonics to generate the audio we hear. And I just thought it was very interesting. Um, for the sake of time, I won't go into it, but... Uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, check it out. It was very well written and a very interesting article about this. And we'll probably start seeing these come out mid to late 2024. And uh, they're just going to be, uh, you know, less expensive and have a higher uh, dynamic range and more, more um, they're going to be able to get louder and have better uh, sound 
canceling. So very interesting stuff. And with that, we go to our first uh, topic today. This is a press release from SCI saying that they have been acquired by Process Sensing Technologies. Very interesting there. And uh, so I wanted to share that with you this morning. Also, we have a press release about Emerson's new digital process controller. And I thought this was very interesting. So this is the FieldView, Fisher FieldView DPC2K. And some interesting things about this, um, it has a greatly en enhanced or improved closed loop control. And um, it supports uh, 50 millisecond updates and has um, configurable deadband, any reset windup, dynamic reset limiting, and a bunch of other features. So very interesting uh, product announcement from Emerson. And apparently this particular unit can be used to replace other legacy products, not just the Emerson products or the Fisher products. From there we go over to Turk. They got a new uh, eight point uh, IO link master IO block here. And you can see it right there. And some interesting things about this is that it has eight IO link master channels and eight configurable PNP IO channels. And you can, if you want to, configure it so that you get 16 standard uh, IO points. But in any case, um, it also includes two amps of current on pin two from any sensors or actuators that may need current provided through the, uh, through the connectors. So I thought this was a very interesting addition to their product line. I was looking for, um, I thought there was some other information there I wanted to share with you, but a good looking product there. As we go to our next story here, Festo announced that they just introduced the company's most compact parallel aligned and radial grippers. So interesting there. Um, confusing name, I think for me, somebody who does a lot of Ethernet stuff, it's a DHPC product line. But in any case, you can see one of the units right there. If you're interested in these grippers, check that link out. And uh, from there, we go over to OnLogic, and they announced uh, the addition of a new power supply. This is a 1,000-watt power supply, right? That's pretty beefy. And uh, in any case, this is fully ruggedized power supply, and um, you can see it here. They also, in the same press release, talked about uh, upgrading to their Carbon 800 series of rugged computers. They're now available with 13th gen processors, CPUs from Intel. So you can check that out as well. So very interesting press release here. And if we go over to the next tab, uh, just a reminder, we did actually have OnLogics on the, um, OnLogics, I, I do that quite often, OnLogic um, on the podcast back in episode 172. So if you're interested, I thought it was very interesting talking to Jason and learning about all their products and learning about their company. So um Check that out if you're interested. From there, we go over to our featured product today. Today, we're featuring the Micro 800 Level 1 and 2 cores from the Automation School. This is known as Nano Basics. If you don't know, Rockwell, to differentiate this from their other product lines, they put it in a nano category of nano PLCs. And uh, even though they did that, I do think this is a good replacement for the MicroLogics. Now, I'm a big fan of the MicroLogics. I think I have every model they've made, like each of the lines. And... Um, you know, I teach on it and I, and, and you know, when I had to do this course, I had stayed away from the Micro 800. But when I did this course, I'm like, wow, what a great little PLC. Supports three IEC 611131-3 languages, not just lateral logic. And I really, uh, you know, at first CCW seems a little clunky, but 
yeah, you know, as, after you start using it for a while, you realize that it's based on, you know, the standard. And so now Rockwell has added a logics view to it. They kind of make some of the, the instructions look, look more logically, logically. <laughs> but in any case, um, really uh, a fun product. Even the smallest unit has lots of memory and uh, I really enjoyed using, using it, teaching it. And if you buy the level one and two course here, you do get the 2023, 2024 course for free. So check that out if you're interested in learning the Micro 800. From there, we go over to some more uh, what's new here. You can see some new products from Automation Direct. They're featuring the CS Micro and CS Laser series here. Um, they also had a new line of Rhino Basic PSR power supplies. With that, we go over to Grace. They have an article here that includes the six innovations that they were showcasing at Automation Fair. And uh, of course we get a new Bernie and Les cartoon, which is always great. This one, it looks especially uh, 3D and uh, fancy. But in any case, let's take a look at what they think their six innovations are. Perpetua by Grace, the power puck. And um, yeah, we, we talked about this. We, we were going all the way back to when they first announced that they were acquiring this company. And we've talked about this, uh, this technology quite a bit on the show. Then we have the Grace Sense Vibration and Temperature Nodes, the VBTX. Third, we have the Grace Sense Defect Classification. Fourth, we have Foreman XAI Maintenance Assistance. Fifth, we have the Graceport MagView. And sixth, we have these new CheckVolt editions of their Grace PESDs. So uh, those are their six innovations that they were highlighting recently. At Automation Fair, I, I just got enough time to take a picture of their booth. I didn't get a chance to talk to anybody there. But uh, in any case, let's move on to Softing. They were also at the fair last week. And uh, this is an article exploring the foundation of your digital transformation journey. And this is kind of like a foundational article, or that's how it appeared to me, because there's going to be more articles in this series. But I thought it was very interesting to talk about... Um, digital transformation of Rockwell, of your Rockwell ecosystem, as well as Siemens, ABB, Honeywell, and other non-Rockwell PLCs, and uh, reducing complexity, choosing the right future architecture, and so on. So I, I thought it was interesting, and I wanted to share it with you. From there, we go over to another interesting article, this one from PTC, and this is talking about leveraging a digital mentor for knowledge transfer in the changing workforce. And I thought this was interesting. Uh, one of the key takeaways really had me thinking this morning. They say that 25% of manufacturing workers are 55 or older, which means when they retire and leave the workforce, they're taking like years and years of knowledge with them. And so it makes sense to try to transfer that knowledge from them to the newer employees, right? And so uh, there's a lot of problems with doing that though, because a lot of companies have gotten uh, really bad reputations for like the train your replacement type of mentality, right? We'll pay them to train their replacement who's just starting out making a lot less and then um, then we'll let them go and save money, right? So you get these corporate greedy, uh, you know, money, money hungry, grubby uh, people who uh, just do all this unethical stuff, right? And so a lot of people would just rather not do that. They would be like, how about I just go find another job, <laughs> So there's a lot of there's a lot of struggles this, but for those companies who really treat their employees not like a, a commodity they can buy and sell, but treat them as part of a team, as part of a family, then really getting them to train the younger generation and getting them to work like in this case, PTC is talking about 
AR systems which can uh, take that training and make it available quickly and easily to the next generation, then it can be a real pl uh, plus for, the, uh, for both the employee and the company, right? So in any case, very interesting article and I wanted to share that with you. From there, we go over to Aviva. And they had an interesting article about boosting collaboration with holistic operations control. And I, if I could summarize this article, it really talks about how you should make use of your modern HMI or SCADA system that has HTML capabilities, right? So a lot of the modern systems, whether it's an HMI or SCADA system, has the ability to publish your graphic displays, right, your screens, as HTML5. And you can use those to provide view-only reports live updating view only reports to all kinds of people in the plant, right? And uh, some of the bullets that they talk about this addressing is giving teams data they can use, right? Another bullet is reduce lag with reports and analytics for multi-level teams. And the third is close the knowledge and communication gaps, right? So I think we all know that on-demand live reports are just so advantageous and helpful. And a lot of times these can be implemented right in the SCADA system, right? All SCADA systems have trending, they have data grids, they have HTML5 capabilities, even many HMIs, uh, even many HM, HMIs have HTML5 capabilities. So it's a little bit of work to design them and tweak them because different, different uh, consumers of the information are gonna need the data in a different format. But still, it's a very good point. It's a feature I don't think a lot of people are putting to use that's already in the products they own. And with that, I saw some chats come in, and uh, Frank says he's 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 beyond the 55 level, and uh, he also comments about holistic operators and operation control. So um, from there, we'll go over to a what I thought was a very good article from Excita on ICS cybersecurity, and uh, they talk about the different forces that are influenced ICS cybersecurity adoption, and I think we've talked about many of these you know, national standards, regulation, industry requirements, and so on. But one point they bring up here that I don't think we've talked about enough, and we did talk about it in our last interview with, uh, with ISA, or I think both interviews, uh, both of the two last interviews with ISA, is insurance requirements. A lot of insurance companies who have to, you know, insure your facility against a cyber attack, right, or the damages that a cyber attack could cause, they're now required to say, hey, we don't want to be vulnerable here. You need to have cybersecurity. And so very interesting, they also have embedded here a video on, you know, a discussion they gave about 62443 from their webathon. You remember that was a 24-hour uh, webathon they had or, or um, you know, virtual seminar that they ran uh, a month or two ago. I know we talked about it on the show. And so I watched, I didn't watch the whole thing, but what I did watch of it was very good. So uh, you may want to check that out, especially if you're following cybersecurity topics. This is a good article to put in your quiver. From there, we go over to our featured, this is our featured guide of today. So over at theautomationblog.com, we have over 1,700 free articles and videos. And this guide is for the Micro 800. And in this guide, we have over 85 free articles and videos on the Micro 800. And, uh, you know, going through the hardware, showing you what the hardware looks like, showing you how to set up communications, showing you how to use like uh, some instructions you may not be familiar with if you're typically use like the Micrologics, like the reverse coil, the on-off instruction. Um, if you have older versions, how to do mixed math, uh, how to do math with mixed data types. That's something we never thought about with like the SIG 500 Micrologics, PLC5, Control Logics, Compact Logics. But 
in the micro 800 at least it used to be an issue you had to convert everything we have uh, an article on using pid instructions um just a lot of different stuff up here over 85 different uh actually 92 different articles and videos for 100 free over at the automationblog.com from there we go over to we had a couple of case studies drop today or application notes from rock automation i thought they were both very interesting so i wanted to share them with you the first one talks about a very large water wastewater uh, system where they needed to do some upgrades. They had a lot of legacy stuff. And so what they ended up doing is working with this uh, Rockwell partner to actually do a phased migration and start with the most critical you know, assets first, you know, and uh, work through it. I thought it was an interesting um, uh, article, just kind of reading through it. You know, with these, they never get into uh, deep into specifics, but still, I thought it was very interesting to read the story. And the other one was about, um, you know, taking natural gas out of landfill. So as a landfill um, ages, it produces lots of gases, a lot of CO2 and a lot of methane. And this is a story about how uh, Rockwell worked with uh, this uh, provider to help the, the company uh, design and deploy a bunch of these natural gas production facilities. And so they take the gas that comes out of the ground and they have to clean it and purify it. And it was, I just, again, a very interesting article, and I wanted to share that with you this morning. From there, we have some new videos. The first is a new video on the inductive couplers. We've been talking about this uh, and following these from Turk. And I thought uh, the person who is doing this video did a good job showing how they work. It's basically a very simple unboxing and just, you know, showing you how it uses use it the first time. But I thought they did a good job on it. And we also have a new video. Yesterday, uh, I released uh, episode 179 of the Automation Podcast. And this is um, where I sat down with Redline and we talked about IEC 62443 zones and conduits, right? And the beauty of their product, the RA10C, is it makes implementing this super easy, right? So you don't have to be an IT wizard. You don't have to get into the command line interface of your, you know, layer two switch and start, you know, doing some complicated things. Uh, this this product and the software makes it very easy. But we do spend the first part of the show talking about zones and conduits. What are they? What are they used for? We talk about some applications. And I really enjoyed uh, sitting down with Barry and talking about this. And uh, you can see um, the whole, I think it's 27 minutes, turned out to be 27 minutes. Uh, you can see the whole show up at theautomationblog.com or anywhere you get your podcasts or videos. Almost anywhere. You can see all the places right here. Um, so in any case, that was yesterday, released yesterday. Now, for next week, I'm on vacation. So, of course, I won't be here doing the morning show. And it's Thanksgiving, so a lot of people will be have their minds on other things. But I did finish up uh, editing my uh, hour-long interview with John Gardner from Manufacture Local and the CNC Broach Tools. And uh, we had a great article. We look at uh, a lot of his manufacturing art that he's been collecting from like the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and just beautiful pieces. And he talks about as a, as a business owner and somebody who manufactures CNC brooch tools, um, he talks about, you know, his experiences and where he thinks manufacturing is going right and where they're going wrong. And of course, I chime in with all of my crazy ideas and thoughts and opinions. And of course, you can as well using our talkback link. But I've scheduled that episode, episode 180, to go out uh, 7.30 uh, when we usually do the morning show on Monday morning. So Monday morning rolls around, you're driving to work, you're like, ah, there's no morning show. Well, go ahead and uh, catch the podcast. It'll be podcast 180 
Well, we made sure all the platforms that the uh, Automation Morning Show are on are exactly the same as the Automation Podcast. So if you're watching this on the Automation Blog, of course, you can watch that at the Automation Blog. Or if you're listening to this on iTunes, you'll be able to grab that on iTunes as well. They're two different shows, but they're all on the same platforms. So uh, check that out Monday morning at 7.30 because I won't be doing the morning show. I will be driving down south. From there, we want to go to software updates. Only really one software update of uh, worth mentioning, in my opinion, this morning. And that was uh, SP3 for uh, PCS7 from Siemens. And uh, so that's Cymatic PCS7 V9 SP3 software update. From there, only one new manual today that I saw that was of interest, and that is a... Uh, a new manual on a product bulletin, actually, on the Fisher EH and EHA control valves. As far as in our other science and technology section, um, I thought this was very interesting, this ad. It kind of, it's a little um, uh, misleading. Um, what they're talking about here is, uh, the title of the article is, Robot Hand with Working Tendons, tendons Printed in One Go. What they're really talking about is the ability to print multiple uh, materials, some flexible, some hard, um, with a 3D printer. And these 3D printers look are, act more like inkjet printers, right? I thought it was very interesting. And so um, I really enjoyed the article and the video. If we get into the video here, let me just make sure we're not going to get any loud noises here from the... Uh, yeah, I want to make sure we send this to the headphones so in case it gets loud and ugly, we don't hear it. And uh, good, it's already muted. So I'm going to Fast forward here to just show you part of this video. If you're listening, what we're showing is typically you will have a print head that moves around 3D space. In this case, we have a tray that moves underneath the printer. So it's a very different uh, style of printer. And that tray is moving under print heads that uh, have multiple uh, drops, just like you would think of a inkjet printer. And uh, what they're doing here, of course, is printing different materials that the uh, fibrous or stretchable tendons as well as the hard legs or fingers of the different robots they're printing here. So we have the robotic hand and then uh, later on we have this little walking uh, robot here that has uh, some grippers and some springs as well as hard bones that uh, make up the frame of the body. So I thought that was very interesting so I wanted to share that with you this morning. And uh, we have a, a press release from Wittenstein. I just saw them last week at the fair. And uh, they're launching their CyberKit Line Medium. Now, these are modular frameless motors directly integrated into the machine. Um, these are very interesting devices. Let me go over to the product page here and uh, show you some pictures of it. And uh, just very cool how they have a hollow core. And um, just very interesting product line. So congratulations to Wittenstein on their new, uh, the new product line launch. And uh, also remember, they, they're expanding their America plant by, by huge, I forget how many square feet it was, but millions and millions of dollars that they're investing right here in uh, America to uh, expand their local manufacturing, which I'm a, as you know, I'm a huge fan of. And I wanted to kind of roll that into uh, just a reminder that we're going to release the automation podcast early. Usually it releases Wednesday afternoon at 3.30, but we're releasing it at 7.30 in the morning on Monday since I'll be driving down to visit family down south. So, uh, even though we won't have an automation morning show on Monday morning, if you switch over to the automation podcast, I sit down with John 
um, Gardner from Manufacture Local, and we have a, a long discussion about his art. He has all this cool manufacturing art from the hit from you know from I don't know 50, 60, 70 years ago. And also we talk about manufacturing, the state of manufacturing. We offer a lot of opinions, which may prompt you to use our talkback link to send us your opinions because you you know everybody has their own opinion, right? But in any case, I just wanted to throw that out there. So Monday, 7.30, look for the Automation Podcast because I will be on vacation. Uh, from there, we go over to Advantech, and they have an announcement here. You don't see a lot of these announcements about AMD industrial computers. But uh, they've, uh, they just launched their first AMD AM5 Ryzen Embedded 7000 Industrial ATX Motherboard. Now, just looking at this motherboard, it looks like a standard motherboard. I've been building my own PC since... Uh, well, since I got my first PC, an 8088. And um, this this looks like a regular motherboard. I guess there's a little bit beefier uh, uh, heat sink here and maybe over here. But uh, one thing I did as I was looking into the spec, and we all know Advantech's been around forever. They're a major player in industrial computers, right? One thing that I did notice, though, in the specs, it was 0 to 60C. So uh, some of the more extreme or rugged industrial PCs we've covered go, you know, minus 20, 30, 40 to, you know, 60, 70, 80. So just keep that in mind. But still, it's great to have this option. You know, it's always great to have an AMD option. I, I'm an Intel guy, but I know my son likes to use AMD. And uh, they have a, I think they have a better price point. Um, so if you're really trying to get the best performance for the dollar, that's the way to go. But in any case, uh, from there, I wanted to go over to a press release from Maxon. And uh, they, they have five innovations, excuse me, <coughs> they have five innovations that they are showing off at SPS 2023. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but I did want to share this first one that we're looking at here. This is their IDX 56 drive with a GB12 gearhead and ENX 22 EMT encoder. So complete system right here, all assembled for you. And uh, you can see some of the other innovations they're showing off at the show. But uh, I wanted to feature that because uh, this was just came out this week. From there, we go over to a very interesting interview from Beckoff. And this is on, this is part of their series, 20 years of, you know, EtherCAT, right? And what I thought was interesting about this is they kind of go back and talk about the beginnings of networking with, uh, with uh, EtherCAT and how originally their first network was a fiber optic network. And then they decided to go to, um, to switch over to uh, designing EtherCAT. And they talk about how it was created to be super fast and and all that kind of good information. So uh, they have a nice chart here in German, which which I won't pull up now because I can't read it. But in any case, um, very, very interesting interview if you're into that kind of stuff. From there, we go over to our featured product for today. Today, we're featuring the S7 1200 and 1500 forever course at theautomationschool.com. You buy it once, you own it forever. And that includes asking uh, the instructor, Mike, in this case, me, questions about what's going on. I also include my interviews. So every quarter, I try to take all the interviews I do with Siemens and include them in the course commercial free. So there's nobody else doing that in the world. We have over, I think, 10 interviews already that are bonus lessons. So you, it's continuously updating. You know, I love adding new lessons, but uh, being able to add new interviews uh, many times I can do that quicker because we have an interview. We're doing an interview every week with a different vendor. So in any case, uh, that's a great way like to find out what's uh, what was 
the whole thing about cause and effect matrix or what was new in V18. And I'm looking forward to doing one on what's new with V19. I just got to get with the Siemens guys and get that scheduled. But I'm excited about that. You know, we've been covering V19 as, uh, as uh, information has been dripping out. But in any case, and, and we're doing the same thing for the Allen Bradley. I'm looking forward to, to getting on uh, with Kristen on, I think it's V36 that's coming out or just about to come out. So um, we're doing that with all our courses. We try to interview all the vendors. So in any case, uh, we'll, from there, we'll go over to a blog from Opto22. Now, this talks about their Opto Memory Map Protocol, or Opto MMP. And reading this, you know, I don't have an uh, Opto22 Epic controller or any of their controllers, but uh, it reminded me a lot of Data Highway Plus and message instructions, how you could write into another PLC's memory space, right? N N7, F8, you know, T4, whatever. And so it was very interesting. And I didn't realize, but it's based on IEEE 1394, which many of you may know of as Firewire, which really never took off on the PC side of things. But, um, I mean, never took off as in, you know, not like SATA or, or um, you know, USB, right? But in any case, from there, we go over to a new article from PLC Next. And this is uh, by Phoenix Contact. And I thought this was a very beefy and very interesting article about integrated security with PLCs. And it really talks about, it starts off talking about um, what uh, German uh, authorities have been talking uh, uh, that are, are pointing out that are potential vulnerabilities in industrial control systems and how these systems get compromised and what those compromises can lead to. And so I thought all of that was very interesting, even though it's, you know, even though it was a German authority that, that was quoted, everything they say is true. I mean, it can happen anywhere in the world, right? And so uh, from there, they start going into, you know, 62443, and they talk about uh, security levels. What's the difference between SL0 and SL4? And uh, they go through that. They also talk about maturity levels. And then they dive into how they achieved the 62443. Um, I think there's a typo here. 62433? 62, I think that's supposed to be 62443-4-2 security um, uh, certification. So we've started to talk about that. We started to see more and more uh, companies come out with that. And we will, at some point, we have an unsponsored episode recording with the ISA about ISA Secure. We talk about that a little bit more. Um, we have a full recording already published about 62443 with ISA um, Eric Cosman uh, did that one, and it, it's great. And um, so we, you can learn more from uh, from our interviews there. We also recently just did one with uh, Red Lion where we really focused in on zones and conduits too. So check that one out as well. Uh, from there, I want to go over to Software Toolbox. They had a new article out, and this talks about the, all the security features of TopServer. So if you're using TopServer, you may find, again, I don't have a copy of the software, but if you're using Top Server, you may want to check this article out because there, there seems to be a lot of built-in security reminiscent of some other packages you may be familiar with. But um, security and more and more is becoming an important part of what we do in the industrial controls world. And um, if you think about it, you know, we were talking yesterday about even insurance agencies are now getting into the, into the act because when they have to, uh, when a pipeline shuts down for days and sends gas to $8 a gallon, um, when they try to when they try to uh, uh, put that off on the insurance agency, they're going to have a lot of questions like, well, how did this happen? Did you guys not have basic security? 
So um, we can see this being more and more important in our lives as time goes on. And um, so I wanted to share that with you. Very interesting there. And then this article here, this is an application note or, or case study from Advantech. And it's about a product I didn't know they had. Um, I think of Advantech as industrial computers and beautiful uh, touchscreen panel PCs. But this, uh, this article is about uh, an intelligent logistics control solution for AGVs. And they're using their own product that has CodeSys, which is a PLC engine, built in. So I didn't realize that. They also support EtherCAT. I think they support OpenCAN, uh, CanOpen. I'll get that backwards. Let's see. Let me, I got the product page open. So here's what it looks like. And I just thought it was very interesting. This supports Slice.io, so you can see the connector there. So it has some I.O. here, but it also supports Slice.io. And it has CodeSys built right in. You know, the developer for CodeSys is free. And um, let's see, it supported EtherCAT. Uh, let's see down here. EtherCAT, uh, CanOpen, and Modbus. I think that's Modbus TCP, as well as MQTT and OPC UA and so on. But in any case, I didn't even know they had a, I mean, this is a, would be a PLC, right? So uh, very interesting there. From there, we go over to our featured guide today. Over at theautomationblog.com, we have over 1,700 free articles and videos on using automation. And today we're featuring the S7-1500 guide, which is an ordered list of our content on the S7-1500. And um, you can have see everything here from finding your distributor to uh, what kind of demos are available or, or starter kits, you know, how to integrate different products. Um, some of these, most of these I've written, but some of these, some of our uh, freelancers have written, like uh, Brandon, um, who I get to meet at the fair, which was great. Um, we got interviews with Siemens up here. Um, we got things like uh, string selection from binary input, PID compact technology object, using function blocks, writing your first SCL code, and so on, PLC SIM, we got a couple articles on that. Um, and then I just wanted to point out, we got using encoders. So IFN had sent us some of these beautiful encoders with the displays on them. So we show how to use those with the high-speed counter. And um, the other one I wanted to show, they also also how to use the temperature controllers. The one I wanted to uh, kind of call out though, it's uh, closing in on half a million views across all platforms. And uh, that is my wire program, download and test a new program in an S7-1500. So I want to thank everybody who's watched that. Uh, that's really been uh, a real success for us here. Um, just a little inside baseball, the revenue we've received from uh, that video, even though it's closing in at a half a million views, is still not enough to even to buy an S7. So that's why you see us going with a lot of sponsorships, right? So hopefully that explains that. But um, nobody's advertising on automation videos. Well, nobody who's paying any, anything worth talking about. So from there, we go over to... And Opto 22, this is an Opto blog, but really it's a video. So I'm highlighting it as a video and I thought it was exceptionally done. This is, um, they're actually using the Groove View HMI that's built into the Groove Epic. Now, we all know, we've covered this many times on the show, that you can run Ignition on the Gro uh, Groove Epic, right? But they also have their own built-in HMI. And uh, I thought they did a great job in this video just, you know, keeping it fun and, and, and keeping it pertinent and uh, just showing you how to go ahead and build an HMI screen. And uh, so I wanted to share that as today's video. Uh, also, we have a bunch of, and I'm going to include all, all the way up through the first week of December because I'm on vacation next week. Um, so uh, Horner is having a, uh, an event on Tuesday, November 28th at 2 p.m. This is an online webinar and it's about 
integrating servos with the Horner OCS system. We also, I think we've scheduled to have Horner on the show. Um, if I remember correctly, when I get back from vacation, we're going to be recording a show with them, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, from there, we go over to Obviously MDT. They have actually an in-person event going on December 6th in Detroit, Michigan. So if you're in that area, check that out. Uh, from there, we go over to Unitronics. We have met with them. We'd love to get them on the show. Um, Unitronics, and uh, they have an event on December 6th at 10 a.m. Eastern. And this is going to be a, a free webinar about data logging with Unitronics. Very interesting there. And then Universal Robots. This is on December 7th at 1400 local time, I'm assuming, because it doesn't say CST or EST or anything like that. So uh, that would be uh, 2 p.m. if I'm doing my math correctly. And this is Manufacturing of the Future, Changing the Way We Train Our Cobots. They don't have that in the title, but I'm assuming that's what they mean. Uh, from there, we go over, I have actually two excellent uh, science and technology stories today. The first one is about GM and Stellantis um, getting in on some non-rear earth permanent magnet motors. And I thought it was a very interesting article. They even talk about, like a lot of people don't think that uh, this, this is real, the real deal because the people behind, uh, it's called, let's see, what is it called? I just saw it in a moved. Nyron Magnetics, right? The, the combination of uh, minerals they're using to create this permanent magnet motor, people don't believe it. People don't believe that it's going to work. And so the, the part of the problem here is that they're not telling them the mixture because it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, uh, uh, intellectual property and they don't want to give any of their competition a leg up, right? But uh, let's see if we can find the elements in here as we browse through here. I thought it was a very interesting article and um, I know it's an iron something nitrate or, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to find it. Let me just search on iron real quick. But I, I thought it was very interesting because, let's see, iron nitride or a nit, nitride? I don't know. But in any case, a lot of experts are saying that ain't going to give you uh, something to compete with like a neodymium or one of these other rare earth magnets, right? So very interesting. We'll have to keep, uh, keep an eye on this. I mean, GM and Stellantis have really put a lot of money into this company and they're hoping to have products uh, late next year or, or 2025. So we'll have to keep an eye on it, but hopefully they can do it because you want to be able to make your, make your uh, permanent magnet motors anywhere in the world. You just don't want to source, I think 90% of uh, neodymium and other rare earths that go into permanent magnet motors come out of one country that is not a free country that doesn't have a very good record on, uh, you know, human rights and uh, environmentals uh, uh, concerns. So I think this is the wave of the future. That's why we cover it here on the show. And also now I thought this one was just great. This is such a great walk going back in time. Ethernet is 50 years old this year. And um, I just really enjoyed this article going back the story about you know, how it was developed and, you know, Xerox and, and, and all the things they were doing and how it was based off of a wireless network in uh, Hawaii and the Aloha network and just really enjoyable, uh, light reading, but fun. And if you're a technology person and you're kind of getting nostalgic about this stuff, it's very interesting. They were using coax uh, at the time and um, really they, it, it, it's a very interesting article. So I highly recommend it. I would love 
to, uh, to um, I would love for these guys to put together a museum, the IEEE guy, folks, uh, where they could have all these things, uh, all these things uh, on, uh, you know, on display, because I'd love to see some of this stuff. But in any case, I'm sure if you guys know some place that does that, I know there's a computer museum, um, both in um, both in Boston and in uh, D.C. I've been to both, but it's been a long time since I've been there. But in any case, with that, I do want to thank Siemens for sponsoring today's show and making it ad-free. They sponsored the entire week, and we just want to say thank you. If you see anybody from Siemens, thank them for sponsoring independent automation journalism. And with that, I also want to just remind you, if you think I missed something this week, of course, I'll be gone next week, uh, please use the news tip link to send in the news tip form. Also want to thank everybody who signed up. I got a new question that I just found this morning. It looks like it's eight hours old uh, that came in. So I'll be looking at that later today. But I want to thank everybody who is following us over at automation.locals.com. That's our community. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't remember the story, I closed down the automationforums.com uh, several years ago. And now we're here. And this is just, it's just better. The price of admission just to keep out the trolling people is uh, $2 a month. I just try to keep, that's as low as I can make it actually. So I like to say one cup of coffee a month to be a part. And a lot of people just, uh, they just join up and they don't ask questions just because they want to be part of the community and support our work here. So I want to thank, I think we picked up a half a dozen people over the last couple of days up here. So thank you all for following us and uh, especially for those who, uh, who buy us a cup of coffee once a month. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, from there we go over to, I also want to thank, and I saw several of these orders go through over the last couple of weeks. People picking up my ebooks or my video collections. Sometimes people pick these up as uh, digital only. Sometimes they pick them up as USB. Um, either way, thank you, thank you. Um, and as well as anybody who picking up our uh, coffee cups and T-shirts, I thank you all. Every penny goes right back into what we do here. So I really appreciate you all there. And with that, just a reminder that uh, all of the links I covered today will find their way up today to automate.news. Every single link we've covered in all 145 plus shows are at automate.news. And uh, just a couple of uh, notes here. I will be, as soon as this is done and this is published to all the edited and published to all the different destinations, I will begin working on automation this week, which is a compilation of all of the episodes from this week. So if you have to work in the garage, walk the dog, or you're going on a road trip and you just want to catch all the shows in one big long format, that will be a uh, coming out tomorrow. Then I'm on vacation all week for Thanksgiving week. I usually don't take that week off, but we want to get together with the family. We've got all the family except for one of my brothers are getting together at my daughter's house down south. So really looking forward. Even all the grandkids will be together again. Can't wait to see them. But um, in any case, uh, um, when I come back, I will actually be doing the next show on the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving, not Monday. So I just wanted to give you a heads up. I will be back on the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving. So I'm saying that because uh, I won't be on that Monday, so I don't want anybody to be mad. Sean, where are you? In any case, uh, I do also remind you that this coming Monday, the Monday of Thanksgiving week, we're releasing the automation podcast early at 7.30 in the morning. My discussion with John Gardner on manufacturing. We look at his art. It's a lot of fun. We had a great conversation. Or probably some of our opinions may, may, you may agree with and then others you may not. So feel free to use the talkback link to send in your opinions and let us know where we got things wrong. Um, and with that, I think I covered everything. Did I cover everything? I think I did. So with that, I just want to wish you all an awesome Friday. I want to wish you an awesome weekend. And since I'm not here next week, have a great Thanksgiving week, especially if you're in the U.S. Um, you can celebrate Thanksgiving wherever you, wherever you live. But if you're in the U.S., I know you'll be celebrating it with the rest of us. So I want to wish you an awesome week. And I'll see you on the Tuesday 
after Thanksgiving, not the Monday, but the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. And uh, again, just want to wish you all an awesome day and week ahead. And uh, just want to encourage you to stay courageous, stay fearless. And until next time, my friends, peace.